back to this week's installment of BCIT Student Association's Entrepreneurial Podcast. I am your host, second year radio student, best looking radio student, Kellen Toshkin. Today we are joined by somebody who's actually got quite the resume, uh, Mike Zaremba. Mike is the co-founder of Float House, which is located here in Vancouver. That's correct. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great. It's a beautiful day. Uh, so, Mike, you and your brother are co-founders of Float House. Why don't you Why don't you let us or give us the rundown of what Float House is? Sure. Float House is a commercial flotation center. So we specialize in flotation therapy, um, which is also known as sensory deprivation tanks or isolation tanks. Float tanks is the kind of commonly used term now. And um, and I'll get into all that. But yeah, Float House is the first commercial float center in Vancouver in over 20 years. Wow. Um, we have two locations that we personally own in Gastown and Kitsilano of Vancouver. Good locations. And great locations, yep, right in the meat of the city and uh, really cool, funky areas. Uh, West 4th, obviously, on, in Kits, and then downtown by the, uh, the Absurd. I mean, Gastown in general is just such a cool area. And uh, yeah. so we're right down there as well. And um, we've also franchised out. So we have locations in Victoria, South Surrey, Langley, and Edmonton is actually our first out-of-province location that opened up uh, just last year. Holy cow. Now, yeah. when, when did you guys start this? So we opened the first float house on, uh, in May of 2013. Um, but you know the whole build up towards that opening obviously started way beyond before that, and actually, 2010 is when I first floated for the first time. Yeah. And um, and you know I'll, I can kind of get into that story if you want. Where heard about floating online, and uh, and was really intrigued to give it a shot. Um, there's nothing available, but I did find a lady in Port Coquitlam who had a float tank in her basement. Um, she My buddy a- actually went to that exact one. Okay, there this, you go. This would have been this would have been four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so went and tried that out uh, one time. And my brother as well, who's my business partner, Andy, uh, he tried it out one time as well. And after those first floats of ours, we decided to buy our own tank. Yeah. Um, there's something about that experience and that environment that I felt very attracted to. I, I really wanted, I felt like I had a lot to learn from being in there. Yeah. Um, I learned about myself and just kind of the nature of reality. And so I decided, well, we decided to, to split a tank. And um, by late 2010, we got that uh, delivered and set it up in my condo in North Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when we started hosting floats. We actually opened it up. We had a little uh, cheap website made. Uh, Facebook at that time was very different, but we had a Facebook page as well and started to take bookings. We just all under the table, just kind of doing like a test market, basically, mm-hmm. um, and also to help cover the cost of the tank. Um, and that was really our intention at that time. And we were watching, there was a, a, a company in Portland called Floaton, and they opened up in fall of 2010. And so we saw them online, watched them through their build out and their opening. And that's where we, uh, we saw that, okay, this could be a viable business. We really saw their bookings and, and um, realized like if, if Portland can do this, there's no reason why Vancouver couldn't do this too. So that's what kind of got those those business venture entrepreneurial type of gears turning in our brains to, to put together like a business plan and, and go from there. And yeah, well, we and, and such such similar cities too, right? I don't know, for, for our listeners out there, if you've been down the West Coast on the water, you look at Seattle, you look at Portland, even Northern uh, California, San Fran and Vancouver, they're all very similar. So our demographic is very similar. What I want to know is, 
was it just love at first float? Like, was it literally, you know, as soon as you got out of there, just thinking, holy cow, this is something that I want to be consumed with? Uh, it wasn't quite like that, to be honest. My first float, which was 60 minutes long, for the first 50 minutes, and this is not uncommon, I was relatively uncomfortable. Yeah, um, in know. that enclosed space, right? Well, and, and just it's more so just like how alien the environment is. Like that environment truly does not exist anywhere else. And maybe we should kind of take a step back and describe what floating is and what this environment is all about. And basically, floating um, takes place in a float tank or a float pod or a float cabin. Um, these are all just different terms for really the same environment where there's typically about 10 inches of water and they put about a thousand pounds of Epsom cells dissolved into the solution of water. So it's like a large bathtub, like a huge tub and, um, and it's enclosed. And so the water with it being super saturated with Epsom salts makes it very, very dense. And actually it feels quite silky. It feels very different than like just normal fresh water or even ocean water, mm -hmm. um, but allows you to float effortlessly because of that density. It's like the Dead Sea, but actually three times as dense as the Dead Sea. Wow. And so you're floating there completely effortlessly. The water is also managed and regulated to the same temperature as the surface of your skin. So once you kind of settle into that water and get nice and still, it's skin receptor neutral. So it's kind of hard to tell where your body ends and the water begins. That boundary, perceptually speaking, becomes dissolved. Um, like I said, it's enclosed, so it is a light proof environment. So it's pitch black inside and um, your ears are underwater with earplugs. And typically you don't hear anything at all external to you. So much like the name implies sensory deprivation, which isn't the most accurate of terms actually though, it, it creates an environment that has maximal external sensory reduction. Okay, so light, sound, gravity, tactile sensations, temperature variations, the smell is neutral, all these external senses that we work with, these five senses other than taste, obviously don't drink the water, um, that we, we deal with, they get brought down to the absolute minimum that we can create here on earth mm -hmm. that's what this whole environment's about and consequently we have a very reliable and strong psychological and physiological reaction to this environment mm -hmm. and it's basically the opposite of fight or flight you know fight or flight is the stress response is when our sympathetic nervous system gets activated by some sort of stimuli and we have this increased heart rate increased muscle tension increased blood pressure um, you know, we get shunting of the bloods to the muscle and it's, it's preparing us for, for fight, flight or freeze or action or whatever we have to do for that circumstance. Whatever the insecurity may be. Totally. Right? And it kind of makes sense that in the absence of stimuli that we have an opposite reaction. And so we go into this very deep state of relaxation. It's a parasympathetic nervous system response which is literally the mirror image part of our autonomic nervous system. But this one's associated with rest, recovery, healing, rejuvenation, replenishment. And so it, it sends us into this very deep relaxation state, mm -hmm. um, which has different parameters to be measured physiologically and, and within our brain as well. And um, a lot of the cool research that's happening now is, is focusing, focusing on what's happening in the brain when we go into these environments and, and how that can be applied to different health elements of our day and age. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a very unique, beautiful experience when given the proper chance to explore totally and a lot uh, 
from the sounds of it, it's, it's a lot more natural. You look at vices where people might be suffering with anxiety or depression and they'll go to their local doctor and they'll say, I need something to help me with this. And their first instinct is, okay, I'm going to put you on this. Mm-hmm. Could you see with, with more knowledge about these float tanks, could you see in the future or is it, has it already started where you'll have people in the medical field using this as um, as an outlet for somebody who's, like I said, struggling with whatever it may be, whether it's depression or, you know, maybe it's post-traumatic stress from something that's happened in their life. Could you see that coming in the future or is it already happening? Um, it's, it's maybe just on the cusp of happening. I'd say the very progressive um, healthcare practitioners are aware of floating. And, and not to toot our own home, but largely because of what we've done with Float House. Like mm-hmm. before then, um, we would go and ask people, have you heard of floating? Do you know what floating is? And maybe one in a hundred would have heard of it at yep. best, right? Yep. And that's like within the city, kind of within our demographics too, uh, of like, you know, 20 to 40 year olds, let's say. Um, nowadays, like, you know, most people have at least heard of it. Not that they have a full understanding of what it's all about, yep. but they've like caught wind of floating. And, and to be honest, that's largely because of like what we've done marketing wise. But um, in terms of like healthcare practitioners, it's starting. And But, you know, people have always been looking for alternative health care modalities, things like meditation, mindfulness, yoga, naturopathic medicine is always like, you know, on a huge rise. Um, these other alternative forms that, you know, has gone breaking away from the, you know, the kind of generic Western model that we could say the allopathic medicine and getting more to this holistic approach. A lot uh, more natural, right? Yeah. And just, I mean, I mean, it depends on what you mean by natural. I mean, like, you know, pretty broad statement, but again, right. uh, it comes back to exactly what you're talking about yeah. and how people, how there's been this transition and how people are taking care of themselves now. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, that's that's where we're coming in. And, and I mean, floating is definitely pushing that envelope a little bit. You know, um, it's it's basically a for an environment that induces very deep relaxation, but also very deep states of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it becomes an incredible environment to experience mindfulness meditation and or any any form of meditation that you practice, any lineage or discipline or uh, that you do. And um you know, meditation is something that everyone is now, it's in their awareness and they understand like how it can help them uh, for mental health, but also for mental performance as well and like performance-based things. But um, it's, it's, very, it's a very challenging practice to get into and to cultivate and to maintain. So that's kind of the, some of the challenges that we face as a business as well is, you know, well, one, why would I pay to go meditate um, versus, you know, and there's, obviously lots of differences between sitting in your room at home and floating in a float tank mm-hmm. uh, for that experience. But, um, but even still just bringing that into their lifestyle, like look how long it took for people to get into physical activity. And actually still the vast majority of people don't do it, mm-hmm. okay, even though they know they need to do it. Um, and ne- everyone knows they need to eat well and everyone knows they should be getting proper sleep. But even though these things that are super good for us, for whatever reason, we aren't always the best at maintaining these things unless you're kind of really disciplined and like into that sort of that, you know, you're just committed to it. Um, so floating is pushing the envelope on personal care to like a whole nother level of like, well, now we're saying use this environment to take care of your mental health and your, and your you know, connect that way. And that's, you know, it's a stretch. So it's, it takes time, tons of education. And that's primarily why I'm here is because I, I want to help educate towards this. Now I kind of want to get into your entrepreneurial story. Sure. 
just give us the rundown of, you know, obviously this, we're, we're going back to 2010, but uh, how, what were you doing before and how did you end up deciding, you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to start this business. Obviously, we've heard about, you know, you, you, you did it. That was kind of the, the thing that started this. Mm-hmm. But uh, how did you go from whatever you're doing before to solely just this from an entrepreneurial standpoint? Sure. Yeah. No, I um, my educational background is in uh, I did a kinesiology degree at McMaster University and then a master's of human kinetics it's at UBC. Uh, sorry. It's a good school. It's a great school. Yeah. Both. Uh, oh yeah i feel nice. like a chump going to bcit oh. i'm kidding to all of our listeners out there no, this is a B- fantastic B- B- just, just coming into this campus i'm like super impressed by it. i'm like this is a uh, quite the institution going on here for sure it's it's massive um uh but yeah so i did uh can at mcmaster human kinetics at ubc and i specialized in strength and conditioning and that's what i was all about for uh, a few years um but you know, my family, uh, my, my parents started a, uh, a Tim Hortons franchise in the North Shore, and that's what brought us out west. And um, I decided to go into that. And so my, my brother, Andy, who's my partner in Float House, um, we were working together in the family business, learning small business operations and systems and just how all that kind of stuff works and mm-hmm. also getting to see the inner, inner workings of a giant corporation like Tim Hortons. Um, and, you know, but we're kind of like... I don't know, we just got creative inspiration, you know, and, and, and when this kind of opportunity came into our awareness, we are like, well, let's, you know, we just, it just kind of came out of us quite naturally. Yeah. Um, the first step really was, was creating that business plan. Like we knew, we didn't know how this was going to work, if it could work. Um, but we knew like, well, if it's going to happen, well, we need a business plan. So that was really the first step, and that was a really valuable initial first step. Like, do not overlook the importance of a very thorough, infinitely in-depth business plan that you can create, even though you're never going to cover every detail that you need to cover. Um, but the business plan was so critical. And, and we took that and um, decided to get some feedback by our, our small business accountant at the Tim Hortons, um, and he just to get feedback, and he was actually so impressed by it that um, he ended up becoming our partner. Wow! Um, him and his uh, his friend. So, so they became our investors, which really accelerated our our jump into Float House. And um, it still had a lot of hurdles to get over in terms of getting this this thing regulated. Like I said, there was nothing like it in BC, in Ontario, uh, in Canada, really, mm-hmm. um, or in Vancouver. And we had to. You know, we wanted to go through all the proper channels, which ended up opening up a huge can of worms because there's, you know, as, as, uh, oh, what's his name? I'm thinking that um, Chris Ryan, who's a, a PhD and he's an author, he's writing a book called Regulated to Death. And uh, we are regulated to death. There's so many hurdles we have to go through. And it's very, very challenging, especially as an independent startup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's what you have to do uh, just to do it. And we, we had to go through a gauntlet to get through that. But once we got through it, it was, um, you know, it, it really paid off, you know, like we, we took it as a challenge, like this is how good this business is going to be because this is why no one else has done it yet because this is, this is a pain in the ass to get through all these hurdles. Um, but that, you know, we got through all that and opened up and it was just the timing was perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, the awareness of float tanks was just kind of on the cusp with the Joe Rogan 
experience podcast being so popular and he, he he was being a proponent of it it was it was on the awareness and then we just kind of exploded on the scene usually uh largely using social media as our main platform mm-hmm. and um and it just the timing just hit and it just exploded on the scene from there yeah well and especially with with the with the age that we're living in now where social media is the constant in a lot of people's yeah. lives you're going to bed you look at a screen you get it's up insane. you're looking at yeah. a screen um and it's funny how it all worked out for you you know the, the family business mm-hmm. was owning a business and right. just to have that kind of knowledge and then to be able to be put in place with um you know with with your eventual partners um, right you're right everything kind of kind of went perfectly uh now your co-founder and your other partner andy he's your brother for those of you who don't know i have two older brothers and i love them to <laughs> death would i ever start a business with them probably not after these messages we are going to talk to mike about just that i'm thinking of starting up a business and want to find relevant resources both on and off bcit campus what should i do here's exactly what you should do john BCIT Student Association has their concierge services where you can set up a one-hour appointment and they will assist you in your entrepreneurial career path. Oh wow, how do I reach them? Oh, that's simple. Just send your name, contact details with questions to boss at bcatsa.ca and they will connect with you. We are back with the BCIT Student Association's Entrepreneurial Podcast. I am, once again, your host, Kellen Toshkin, and we've been joined by Mike Zaremba. And, uh, Mike, obviously your business idea, Float House, has kind of been taking off lately. But now we kind of want to get into your business partner. It's uh, it's not often that siblings, uh, family members in general, will go into business uh, together. Talk about your partnership with, with your brother, Andy. Yeah, I mean, he is a soulmate, you know, no doubt for me. And so um, being able to to work through our sibling issues, like we know that our immediate families can be some of the most challenging relationships that we experience, but also the relationships that can foster the most growth personally Mm -hmm. and uh, interdependently. And, you know, if you can make it work with a family member and you have that uh, common passion and inspiration and, and just communication abilities, I mean, it's the strongest bond you can have, you know. So for us, it, you know, it, it has worked and we've been able to work through our stuff. And it's not to say that it's, it's harmonious all the time, but um, there's just that level. The, the thing I love about it, one of the things I love about it the most is the level of um, trust it fosters. It's just like, I know if I need to go away on vacation and take three weeks down in South America or something and completely disconnect from the business, um, I have somebody there that no matter what happens, he's going to be there and make the best decision with his, you know, capabilities at that time. You know what I mean? So having that level of sense of trust is huge. Um, also having someone to, to challenge you and call you on bullshit and, uh, you know, and not just be like uh, an echo chamber, like really to get creative with different ideas um, and to test different ideas upon each other um, is really, really useful. So Having my brother as my business partner and have it actually be functional is is incredible. I think it's really really special. Well, and again, you you don't hear often siblings talk about um, you know their brothers or sisters as soulmates. Um, but again, and what I found with my two older brothers is we're just that. You know, whereas um, 
they mean just as much to us as mom and dad or as yeah. our wives I, or girlfriends. I'm not sure where I heard the quote before, but I kind of like it. It's like, and, and, you know, and this is just the terms that the quote uses, but um, your siblings are friends that God gave you. Yeah. You know, or the universe gave you, whatever term you want to put in there. But I really like Whatever that. you believe in. And right? it's really, you know, and, and it is like those relationships, whether they're close or not, can be sources of your greatest personal growth, totally. no doubt. Like they're the ultimate mirrors of reflecting back at you. And so, uh, yeah, it's it, it really, but it takes it takes a lot of work, though, too. Totally. Well, and you can pick and choose your friends. You can't pick and choose your family. That's right. Uh, and it, again, it's about making the most out of out of that relationship. Um. For those people who don't have that kind of relationship, who are maybe thinking of starting a business, um, but they don't have that close personal relationship like you mm-hmm. did, um, what would you look for if you didn't have your brother in, in finding a really good business partner? I think I would look for my complementary opposite. Mm-hmm. Okay, so someone that I could connect with and communicate well with but someone that maybe thinks very differently and has different skill sets yep. if you're vo- if you're if you guys get along or if whoever you're working with you get along because you're very similar that might not be the best for your business mm-hmm. it's probably really easy for you to work with them and like you're always on the same page and all that kind of stuff because like you're very similar in how you attack problems and stuff and what in, in your areas of expertise however you that diversity element is so huge so i would probably look for someone that is my complementary opposite mm-hmm. as like an initial kind of starting stage. And and that might be something that is uncomfortable and like challenges you in different ways because like, oh, this person thinks very differently or their their ability to take risk is way different than me. You know, mm-hmm. like, wow, they're really just to jump in unprepared where I'm more meticulous and like detail oriented. But you know what? You need that yin and the yang. You need that order in the chaos. Like these, we live in a world of duality. And I believe that comes to multiple levels of this universe and the relationship with your business partner is one those levels totally well and again coming back to that it's you could compare it to going into a into a float tank mm-hmm. you know you need you need to be willing to be uncomfortable for a little bit That's and right. in any where the business is. oh totally and you might not want the yang to your yin but for that success it's something that you're going to need is it not yeah and I, and I think it comes down to you know the context and the in the specific situation you're in but because not all relationships are going to work you know if it's too polarized or you know it's like this is we're wasting time because we can't even communicate effectively well then that's not going to work either you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so you got to really find that strike that balance and um and just being able to have open honest communication is like probably such a paramount you know like number one like if you can't communicate effectively then you just you're gonna waste so much energy and cause so much stress and concern and time because of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. And so, really getting to know each other's uh, word choice and what they mean by their intentions and all that kind of stuff—that's where that relationship will, you know, actually really foster. Versus um, jumping into something too soon as well. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, that's the challenge, but it often leads to the best results. Uh, how would you? Um, you know, obviously having a, a successful startup, how would you go about finding a business partner if you obviously didn't have a sibling that ended up being your business partner? Like, what are the steps that, that you would have taken in 2010? I want to kind of get out of the family business, which is owning uh, a Tim Hortons franchise and venturing off into something else. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think 
it depends on the type of person you are that I can give recommendations to for how to find those other people. But I think get involved within the industry in general and uh, whether it's online or in real person, whether it's like different networking events or just um, whatever. It, depends, it really depends on the industry, you know what I mean? But I think just just getting into the industry and starting to meet people and and talk to them and just exploring it at depth, whether it's online or in person, um, you know, you never know who you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a business idea that you're really into, then just, you know, jump into that industry uh, on any level you can, not necessarily from like an operations, like your business is open standpoint, but just from a, um, you know, get, get your feet in the pool and see who else is there and see who else you connect with. And like maybe someone's got a similar idea but has a little edge on it, but yours is a little different. And then like you can bring those two things together and make an, a new idea that's incredible. You know, that whole idea of, uh, well, the idea of sex between ideas to produce something that you didn't even know was possible. You know, totally. I, mean, I think something like that could really work. So it's just getting immersed into the industry. And actually, this was something I was going to say beforehand. If you're kind of trying to figure out, well, you know, what type of business do I want to do? Like, I know I want to do a, a business. Go to businesses that really inspire you for whatever reason. And it doesn't matter if it's in a related industry or not. Just go and, like, start to spend and hang out. Uh, ideally, work there even for a, a time period, no matter where you are. If you're clearing dishes at, a, at your favorite restaurant, just learn, like, what makes this place so good? Why do I love coming here? Why do I feel the way I do when I'm here? And learn and see what they're doing mm-hmm. on the inside um, and and see, you know, and, and you'll learn so much by doing that, you know. So know that it's just a stepping stone on your way to creating whatever you want to do. And, 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 you know, it's good to be humble and have humble beginnings because, no one just jumps into something hits a home run on the bat you know mm-hmm. like on the first on the first pitch like it takes many many opportunities and so you know you can you can learn from things that already are calling to you or feel good like you know take note of those feelings and 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 get what you can from them you know what i mean totally well and it's about being open to new opportunities but also being vulnerable you know allowing yourself to possibly fail at something because it's like you said like a really good idea is for someone to go to a successful business and just see the day-to-day operations. You know, how is the manager treating other employees? You know, what are they doing to be successful? And um, and again, like like just being open to that is, is it's one of the biggest things for anyone to be successful. But again, as human beings, we tend to you know not want to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. not want to show that side of us where we're okay to make mistakes. Yeah, and and you know most businesses fail. I mean, period. Like that's just a fact. That's just how it is, and that's okay. Like that's, but you know, if and it might take a few different cracks at things. So that's why, you know, t- t- think of it as a long-term process, and like everything that you're doing now is like this is what my career. This is it. This is my career for the next thirty years. I'm like, probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. And that's okay. And like even if like you you really want it to be that, maybe you'll get it. But just don't don't worry about it if not like you there's so many opportunities and like as you grow and evolve and mature you will you will like your ideas will evolve as well and like the things that mean something to you now might not mean the same things in five years ten years or even next week Mm -hmm. like life is very interesting that way so just stay open that openness is where you will have your success and a lot of it comes down to cultivating the proper personality traits and personal ethics and and character traits to become a successful entrepreneur it's not 
about the idea necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's about who you are, and and that will make you a strong entrepreneur. Totally. Well, uh, awesome stuff to take away. We will be back after this commercial break with our closing remarks with Mike, and we might even throw a little lightning round to, uh, well, to make him uncomfortable. We'll be back after these messages. you have that million dollar idea but just need to know how to build a business around that idea? The Ask an Expert series is here to provide you with interactive, engaging workshops that teach you the ins and outs of building a business, including financing, prototyping, negotiating contracts, and marketing. With workshops happening frequently every month, be sure to check them out and any additional details at www.bcitsa.ca slash boss. Welcome back to the BCIT Student Association's Entrepreneurial Podcast. We've been joined today by Mike Zaremba. Mike, on our last commercial break, we were talking about the benefits of floating. And one of the big ones is it helps people deal with uh, the downside to mental health, some of the struggles that they might be going through, regardless of what it is. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit more insight into that? Yeah, no, I mean... Floating can be used for a lot of different things, whether it's mental health related, chronic pain, um, or more performance things such as meditation and uh, visualization exercises um, and th- things of that nature. But in terms of like mental health, which I think is you know, you know one of the biggest issues I'd say with our whole society um, in different ways is, is just helping people with things like anxiety, depression, um, you know, burnout, fatigue, just stress in general. And, and people are becoming more aware of how this actually impacts themselves on multiple levels. You know, it, it affects people physiologically with their health. It affects people psychologically with their thinking and their states of mind and how, uh, how they are in their relationships to themselves, but also with their relationships to other people as well. Like if you're super stressed and triggered and irritable, um, you're going to like snap on your partner or snap to your mom or your dad or your sibling or whatever or your best friend, really we didn't mean to. It's just because you're in this triggered state and you're, you're super stressed and then boom, like you say something that like, fuck, sorry, I'm used to swearing on my show. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, you know? I, I didn't mean to say that and uh, I didn't, um, you know, want to hurt someone's feelings by that triggering, yeah. okay? So it's, you know, and there's lots of alternative modalities out there, but floating um, there's actually a research facility in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, not a beautiful city. I can say. Oh, that. really? I've been, I've been there way too many times than I'd like to say. <laughs> well, they do have an excellent psychiatric hospital there, uh, called the Laureate um, Psychiatric Hospital, and they have next to that this Laureate Brain Research Institute, and they've created a whole um, state-of-the-art flotation lab, and they um, they're actually hosting patient populations that people go to that psychiatric psychiatric hospital, and um, and primarily anxiety. And they're showing, they, they put people in the float tank um, and they have an, an MRI machine in the lab. So they literally take them right out of the float and put them in the fMRI machine and they, they see what is happening in the brain pre and post float. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually comparing that to a control group, which is actually in like a zero gravity relaxation environment. So they're showing what is unique about the float environment versus just say like, you know, relaxing in a dark room with some ambient music and a zero gravity chair. 
and they're showing significant differences. And uh, now the why, they're still figuring that out, but what they're seeing is this reduction of the um, a hyperactive amygdala, which is the part of our brain, a very, very old primal part of our brain that is concerned with our well-being, but in people with anxiety and PTSD, it is hyperactive and it gets stimulated and triggered um, way more often than it needs to be, whether it's from an external thing or even an internal thing that our own stories are telling ourselves and mm-hmm. creating up this, this anxiety around a, something that may not even happen, it may not even be real, but yet it's real inside of us. Yeah. And it's showing, it's, it's down-regulating this activity just completely naturally due to the environment of the float and going to, again, maximal sensory reduction. Mm-hmm. So um, anxiety is something that we all get and it's healthy in little doses, but when it's kind of happening without your conscious control or like, you know, you're deciding, like if you're gonna go bungee jump, yeah, you're probably gonna be feeling a little bit anxious. It'd be weird if you weren't. Right, that's like a normal anxiety, but if you're anxious for, you know, social anxiety reasons or, you know, things that like, you know, like, okay, this isn't, I shouldn't be feeling anxious, like, but you are, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, how can we treat that? And obviously, medications may have a play, a role to play in some circumstances. But you know, floating is another way that is actually non-contraindicating. So it can be used with medications, and actually, people can help get off their anti-anxiety medication using floating. Mm-hmm. But we're actually showing from these studies that the effects on the amygdala that anti-anxiety medications do is the exact same after one float mm-hmm. as well. Wow. So like, it's just doing an alternative holistic modality that is getting the same results and um you know so but with floating it there is a learning curve and accumulating effect we we call it a practice Mm -hmm. like a meditation practice like a yoga practice like a gym routine like you don't get all the benefits after going necessarily one time some people do some people sink right in and they connect with that environment effortlessly other people it takes a few shots and and we at float house you know, we're really good at managing and working with people when it's their first float, like the, the hosting of the float. Um, we need to make sure that you feel very comfortable, empowered, trusting, secure of us, of the space, but then ultimately of yourself to give yourself what you need because this is your own little journey as well. This is your own little journey of self-discovery that mm-hmm. you go every time you step into the float tank. It's like checking in. It's a recalibration. What's going on with me today? Let's feel that. Let's go into the body. Let's go into my mind. What are my repetitive thought patterns? What am I feeling inside my body? And it takes away all external distractions to allow you to do that and automatically redirects your awareness within because there's nothing else going on, you know? And so that's, it's, it's really such a useful tool to help you redirect your awareness within because we are chronically exposed to awareness being external of us. We're always being pulled out. And this is an amazing, super friendly environment to allow you to go within effortlessly. And that's where I think we can learn and grow and evolve as well as heal. And, and our whole line at Float House is we're a center dedicated to healing and higher consciousness. Higher consciousness meaning like self-awareness and, and who you are and what you are inside and going within. And that's what we're all about. Just about bettering yourself. And uh, I, I mean, the business itself, um, you know, obviously it's, it's been successful thus far and I'm sure it will continue to, but, um, you know, I would imagine there's a lot of uh, self, 
I, w- I would imagine it's it's very gratifying um, just being able to help people because at the end of the day, um, a lot of people don't necessarily know that they need help. They don't know that they're suffering from anxiety or stress. Um, so to have these, to have this in place just for the betterment of other people, it's just, it really is commendable. Um, yeah, and the, we, the, uh, the coolest thing, I'll just jump in real quick, is seeing someone come in at the end of their day or whenever they come in for their float and they're all like, you can just feel their energy and they're yeah. all just like, they're scattered, they're all over the place, they're tense, they're nervous, they're anxious. And then when they come out of that float and it just looks like they've lifted a thousand pounds off their shoulders yeah. and it's like, <sighs> that sort of just release. Yeah. Because we are sponges and our central nervous systems retain everything and mm-hmm. our psyches retain everything, our subconscious retains everything. And so when you can go and purge that, it's just like you don't even know what it feels like to be fully relaxed after 90 minutes in a sensory deprivation tank. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know that was possible because you've never experienced it before. And it's yeah. different than sleep. It's very different than sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's maximal sensory reduction. And that's the unique part about it. Yeah. Well, uh, amazing stuff. We obviously didn't get to the lightning round, but I think oh, our man. listeners are going to be just fine with that. Um, Mike, we wish you, uh, Andy, and Float House all the best, and uh, we really, really appreciate, um, really appreciate you coming in and chatting with us today. Thank you, Callan. Thanks for this opportunity. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you all for listening and uh, continue to support this show. I think it's an incredible thing, and um, you know, share it around, like it, comment. It, that's how these things get spread. So. Uh, thanks for this opportunity awesome thank you guys so much for listening be sure to check out float house mike and his brother's idea is just so unique and so cool i know i'll be checking them out in the future i'm kellen Toshkin signing off reminding you don't be a jabroni drink a peroni and be a bouse.